Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky Athletics. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be previewing Kentucky basketball's matchup with the Mississippi State Bulldogs. We are going to be joined by Tristan Ferris of Kentucky Insider and of Sea of Blue. Going to be talking about the individual matchups in this game, what we expect from the Wildcats. Going to give our thoughts on the game and uh, what the Wildcats could be doing moving forward. So, without further ado, here is our conversation with Tristan Ferris. We are now excited to be joined by a very special guest, Tristan Ferris of Kentucky Insider and a Sea of Blue. Tristan, really appreciate you coming on to kind of preview this Kentucky versus Mississippi State matchup, arguably the biggest game of the year for the Wildcats. going to be very important. The Wildcats get this one, uh, get this dub tomorrow for their NCAA tournament hopes, at least if they want to keep those alive. Before we talk about anything with that matchup, uh, Tristan, I want to get your perspective on kind of where the Wildcats are right now as they close out the regular season. Obviously, like I mentioned, on the bubble, really important that Kentucky picks up some close wins here as the season winds down. But just kind of give me your thoughts on where you think the Wildcats are. Uh, yeah, Lance. Uh, first, I just want to appreciate you for having me on. But um, it doesn't take a riot scientist, rocket scientist to, to see that Kentucky has some issues. Um the way I view the season, this is still the same team that won six straight SEC games, but it's also the same team that lost to South Carolina and lost in a blowout to Alabama. So they have a they have a ceiling and they have a floor. I think what's hurt Kentucky the most the last uh, game and a half between Arkansas and Georgia is that every role, every player on this team has a role. It's very fragile in terms of roster makeup. Even though Severe Wheeler, his role has been diminished, he would have been vital. And I think Kentucky probably beats Georgia if he was there just because Case Wallace is more concerned about being a distributor. If, if Severe Wheeler is there and able to distribute the ball, Case Wallace can play his game. He's more comfortable. He's more aggressive. Um, you kind of seen CJ Frederick have a little bit of a, a impact because Antonio Reeves, as good as he is, he can't draw the defense away like two players can it's just him out there and even though he had 20 points especially at the end of the game yeah you've seen him kind of lose his legs at the end of the game and just kind of lost a lot of his lift on that jump shot and couldn't provide much but um, like I mentioned I think this team like I said they have a four and a ceiling Uh, they could go to the sweet 16 they could go to the NIT if it's whatever they want to make it they got six games to prove themselves and and luckily they have four and maybe five quad one opportunities kind of depending on where Auburn lands but um it, it's up to them to write their own story uh like you mentioned there you've got six games where you can really make an impact and kind of determine where you go here or whether you make it to the NIT or whether you do end up finding yourself in a really good spot seating wise in the NCAA tournament Tristan you look at these final six games and I, I think there's sort of a trend here that's going to be really interesting to see if Kentucky can combat this it's very similar to the opponent that we're about to talk about Mississippi State but you look at teams like Tennessee Florida Auburn Vanderbilt Arkansas I mean those teams every single one of them either have multiple post presences that are just really tall and really physical 
or they have one guy that they really like to lean on, obviously in Vanderbilt and Auburn's case, Jani Broom and Liam Robbins. Is that kind of something you're looking at as Kentucky winds down this season is, okay, obviously Oscar Shibwe is going to be a big factor for what Kentucky wants to do on both ends of the floor, but maybe this could be a little bit more of a challenge than fans may expect. I, I'm right there with you. Uh, you see Oscar Shibwe, he, I mean, as good as he is, he you, you, he's been exposed defensively this season. Um, Colin Castleton's been able to do anything he's won on Kentucky the last two seasons now and improved it again uh, two two Saturdays ago. Um, so Kentucky's got a – it's not just Oscar. It's kind of Jacob Toppin, too. Maybe Damian Collins a little bit, uh, who, who's found his stride this season, um, just playing for limited minutes. But all three of those guys, and maybe even you go some down the stretch, have got to step up a, and and guard those post presences. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, every one of those teams are playing the best basketball of the season so far, their best brand of basketball, and they all have multiple post presences that are strong, physical, tough. And even in the matchups that you would think Kentucky would have an advantage, Oscar has struggled. I mean, you look at Arkansas uh, with Mitchell. I mean, he came into that game averaging four points a season, four points on the season, and he walked away with what I believe twenty that game. So I mean, even if they believe they have a matchup, they're going to have to go into the game expecting a battle, and they're going to have to go into the game and execute. You look at this Mississippi State game coming up, obviously, I think the big talking point here is, you know, talking about similar things that Kentucky struggled against. I mean, this is one of the best defenses in the SEC that Chris Jans and the Bulldog possess, and Kentucky struggled at times whenever they face a really solid defensive opponent. I expect the Bulldogs to give Kentucky problems on this end of the floor. We're going to talk about the offensive struggles for Mississippi State a little bit later in the show. But Tristan, this defense has been legitimate, and it's kind of what carried Mississippi State out of their midseason slump. Yeah, they're, they're winners of five straight right now. Um, they look to be as good as what they were early in the season. And like you said, it comes down to their defense. I think when I look this morning, Ken Palm has them ranked uh, fourth or fifth in def- defensive efficiency. So, I mean, they're the second-best defensive team in the SEC behind Tennessee who put up some historical numbers. So it's going to be tough for Kentucky. You've seen them struggle against the Georgia defense that is nowhere close to Mississippi State, and I think that boils down to just guys playing out of their role. Um, looking at Kentucky's matchup with that defense, it, it, they're benefited if C.J. Frederick and Sever Wheeler are back. But if they're not, they're still going to have to step up to the plate. And Because even in these last six games, there's not going to be a lot of opportunities for them just to keep losing. They're going to have to get some wins and some unexpected wins, which they may get tomorrow night. I think they're going to have to if Kentucky really wants to push the pace in this game. I agree with you. If they have their extra guards back in this game, it's not necessarily what those two guys do statistically for you. It's what they do for the entire rotation, in my opinion, just looking at the way that they kind of, first of all, help other guys kind of step out whenever they need to. But second of all, also, you you mix and match these guys with different players on the floor, and I think you find different success. I mean, that's what Co- that's what Coach cal has been trying to do this entire season is try and find that lineup that really works for him. Without those two guys, Wheeler and C.J. Frederick, on the floor, I think the other important thing that Kentucky's going to have to work with in that half-court offense is that pick-and-roll. We got to see against Arkansas. Obviously, only 73 points were scored, but you look at what Kentucky was doing in that first half. I mean, there were several different actions similar to a pick-and-roll style where you saw Kentucky get downhill and get to the rim, and they look good. I think that if you want Kentucky to stick in this game, you're going to have to either either find success from outside the arc 
or moving around Oscar Shibway and Jacob Toppin and finding good positioning inside. So Mississippi State, again, like we mentioned, very, very solid defensively. Got some length to him as well. Tolu Smith being the anchor in that matchup down low. I want to switch to that now, Tristan, to kind of get your thoughts on Tolu Smith versus Oscar Shibway. Like you mentioned, Shibwe has been exposed a little bit defensively this season. Not been the best when it comes to specifically matching up against guys who are not necessarily taller than him, but just as physical or more physical. You've gotten to see him struggle on both ends of the floor whenever that's occurred. Like you mentioned, Colin Castleton has been a really big presence uh, for the Florida Gators against Kentucky over the past couple of years. He played really well just a couple of weeks ago again against the Wildcats. Tolu Smith, six foot eleven. Been he has been one of the better centers in the league for a couple of years now. What do you expect out of Oscar Shibwe in this matchup, or what do we kind of suggest? What would you suggest that we might see out of Oscar Shibwe versus Tolu Smith? The one thing you, you don't have to question about Oscar, he's going to fight. Now, whether that fight pushes him over the edge in that matchup is it, up to him. Especially, like you said, he's six foot 11, 250 pounds, talking about Smith. He's going to be as physical as anybody that Oscar's going to play this season. Um, and what's also set Tolu Smith apart is he's just as good as, I wouldn't say just as good as an offensive rebounder because we know how historically great Oscar's been, but he's probably the second or third best in the conference. And Oscar Sheway is going to have to box him out. He's going to have to be fighting for every board and expect Smith to be there with him for every board. Um, but expect to see some, some, some help side defense from Jacob Toppin just because I would assume that Mississippi State is going to attack uh, with Smith in the pick and roll, going to try to get him downhill, get closer to the basket because they strive um, in the half court offense just with their points in the paint. That's where they're going to try to get most of their baskets from. Um, especially from Smith, who's also their leading scorer, in addition to being their leading rebounder. So the Mississippi State offense is going to rise or fall with Smith, and Oscar's got a, he's got a tough matchup on uh, Wednesday. All right, before we continue our conversation with Tristan Ferris, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one Sports book because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, threes drained. They've also got player props like points, rebounds, assists, etc. And they've got so many more exclusive bets. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about Mississippi State wanting to attack the rim. 55.9% of their points come from inside the arc. They're going to take a lot of shots. Like you mentioned, on things like pick-and-roll action, on things like just finding good positioning with Tolu Smith. I think it's going to be fascinating to see whether or not Oscar, if that fight, like you mentioned, can translate into a victory down low. You also mentioned the offensive rebounding uh, for both these teams. Something I don't think is really discussed enough is that Kentucky's offensive rebounding still hasn't really fallen off compared to where it was last year. The, t- the Wildcats are sixth nationally in offensive rebounding percentage, but Mississippi State is 19th. And like you mentioned, Tolu Smith is a big part of that. He averages uh, his offensive rebound percentage is 14.9%. That's almost top 25 nationally. Oscar, uh, like you also mentioned, really uh, a big presence down low. So there's a lot of different things that I think are going to come from these two guys and how they play on both ends of the floor that are going to really impact 
the outcome of this matchup. You look at the other front court players. I mentioned Jacob Toppin uh, becoming a really important piece on the defense here, but something that uh, John Calipari mentioned in his radio interview yesterday, uh, talking about you know different things like how he's comparing Kentucky to where North Carolina was last year. You know the update on Severe Wheeler and, and uh, C.J. Frederick. But I think the most interesting comment he had, Tristan was talking about playing Uganda and Yenzo, Lance Ware, and Damian Collins a little bit more. And he finally said what I've been kind of saying on my show for a little while is like, I think we need to see Oscar's minutes maybe take a little bit of a decline on Yenzo, Ware, Collins. I was not aware that on Yenzo's healthy, but Calipari spoke about him as if he was. Kind of talk about where you stand on whether or not Kentucky should maybe implement these guys in their front court rotation a little bit more and kind of what we should expect if Calipari does play these guys. Calipari is monster for most of his big main players, for most of his stars, has always been you rise with the guys who got you there. So I expect Oscar to – he's always going to play 30 minutes barring crowd trouble or barring an injury. With that said, you are still got to get 10 to 15 minutes from somebody else just when Jacob Popper needs a breather. And you go Ware and Damian Collins, they all bring something different. Uh, Ware brings energy. He brings toughness. He may not be the most skilled player on the floor, but he's going to bring it every time out. Um, Yugo brings elite rim protection, elite size. He's seven foot two, I believe, seven foot one. Um, and he's got a long wingspan. He's shown the ability to knock down a mid range jumper every once in a while, shows a little bit more um, uh, footwork for a guy his size. And then you got Damian Collins, who I think broke broken through, I believe, back in the Bahamas. We all kind of assume that Damian Collins is going to make a jump up. And obviously, everything that happened with his father and everything, but in the last three or four games, except Georgia, who already didn't get much run time. Um, he scored, what, seven points in the first half against Arkansas, especially off that pick-and-roll action. He shows something that Oscar sometimes can't even give. Um, and then on the defensive end, he's able to show uh, some elite run protection there. So I think um, if, if Sheboy needs to go out, um, uh, especially with his uh, being exposed on defense, you're going to have to plug some of those guys in. I would assume Damian Collins will get the bulk of those minutes like he has been. But I could see Hugo um, getting some more run time. I think it just kind of depends on the matchup and, and what the team's strengths are, the opponent's strengths. And, I mean, any of those guys has got to be ready, and that's one thing that Cal has been good at at his time in Kentucky is just getting those guys, bench guys ready and prepared. You talk about a guy like Uganda and Yenzo, obviously really impressive in his limited action during the non-conference late earlier this season. But you you think about the impact it may make if Cal does decide to kind of rotate a guy like him in. I mean, you wrote an article recently about the relationship between Uganda and Yenzo and Oscar Shibway, about they have this brother-like relationship. Can you talk a little bit about what Kentucky may expect from those two if Uganda were to make his way into this rotation at some point this season? Yeah, so if you get to Rupp Arena early enough, or, and sometimes just on on road games, you see Oscar and, and Hugo just battling each other one-on-one. They're, they're smiling, they're laughing with each other, and I, I had the opportunity to talk to each of them about it, and they talked about being an you know, older brother, younger brother type relationship. Obviously, she weighs 23 years old, and Hugo um, turned 18 just in, in the fall, so there's a five-year age gap, and, and Oscar's experienced a lot of stuff that Hugo is experiencing or has is going to experience, and he's kind of stepped up into that big uh, brother role uh, immediately is what Hugo told me. Um, and it's mainly been on the court um, from, from what he's talked to me, just especially on those one-on-one battles, those even get more intense in, in practice, which surprisingly he said the last two or three he's actually been winning over Oscar 
um, and kind of surprising Oscar what he's been able to do in his development over the season, which I think is a good sign, uh, especially for where to play. But it's also just kind of off the court. Um, I think here's here's the quote he gave me the uh, regarding Oscar. Know where you come from, where we're from. Being from Africa, we need to work. We should have that fighting spirit in us, and we don't quit. So you know that's Oscar's favorite word is to fight, and I think that's what he's teaching Hugo. Um, and I think if he were to play this season, he would fight. He would be in there fighting as much as he can. But I think we're more uh, likely to see him next season. Um, from what he's talked to me, that's the, that's been the plan all along, and that's when he feels like his time is. I'm excited to see what the matchup with him and Aaron Bradshaw looks like, not just in practice, but also whenever they're on the floor uh, individually. I'm excited to see what Kentucky's front court looks like with a guy like Uganda and Yenzo. Hopefully he's able to get a little bit more polished to what he does overall, particularly offensively before next season. He could be a very, very valuable piece uh, to next year's team, which to be honest with you, the more I look at this upcoming recruiting class, man, I'm very thrilled to see uh, what this team does next season. Uh, Sticking with this Mississippi State-Kentucky preview here, though, you look at the Mississippi State offense, Tristan, and and statistically, I mean, this is one of the worst offenses in the SEC. They're second to last in points per game, if I'm not mistaken. They're dead last in both free throw and three-point percentage. I mean, offensively, this team has really struggled to do a whole lot outside of the paint. Their pace is one of the slowest in the nation. I mean, this is just not the ideal type of offense I think Chris Jans wants out of his squad in year one, maybe wants a little bit more efficiency, I would say. But if we're looking outside of Tolu Smith, is there anything else from this offense that we could kind of point out and identify as being a potential threat to the Wildcats in this game? Outside of Tolu, uh, Mississippi State's biggest threats that I've, I've been able to, in my time watching them, has been their ability to score in transition. Uh, they force 9.4 steals per game. Um, which is one of the highest marks in the country. And they also, like I mentioned earlier, just try to get in the paint. Um, I just think that when you look at the SEC and you look at the efficiency efficiency ratings, um, they are second to last. There's not a lot of things they do great, which is why uh, getting getting those steals, getting extra opportunities has been so important for them. But also, we go back to the offensive rebound and getting those extra opportunities and extra rebounds, getting those second-chance points, that's where they get most of their offense from. They're not always going to be great in the half court. So they try to generate offense in, in terms of their defense and their offensive rebounding. And I think those are probably the two biggest areas that Kentucky needs to watch. Um, if they're able to limit them on the offensive glass and they're able to take care of the ball, that forces Mississippi State to have to score on their half court offense, which they've obviously struggled with this year. I think maybe one of the more interesting points of this game is Kentucky shooting outside of the arc. Coach Cal came into this season saying that he wanted Kentucky to shoot the three ball more. And statistically over these past, I would say, seven or eight games, I mean, that number has just slowly declined in terms of three-point attempts per game. You look at Mississippi State, they guard the interior really well. They also guard the outside shot well, but you look at percentage of points. I mean, most opponents, whenever they're doing their damage against State, they're hitting from outside the arc. The fact that Wheeler and Frederick may not be available for this game is crucial, but guys like Cason Wallace and Antonio Reeves, Tristan, if Kentucky gets out to some type of early lead in this one, you would not necessarily feel good and say, okay, well, then they're going to go win the game. But throwing some type of punch early here may end up being crucial because, again, like you mentioned, how slow Mississippi State can be in their half-court offense. Do we see maybe Kentucky trying to play a little bit aggressive here as they come out against the Bulldogs? 
I would hope so, just because the first thing you want to see in a game is just aggression, and especially given how they played, I want to see these guys play aggressive. Um, slow starts have been a problem for, for quite, an, quite a while now for Kentucky, so seeing them reverse that uh, that script and get out to an early lead would be awesome. And you touched on the three-point shooting. Casey Wallace uh, and Antonio Reeves have been the biggest threats, uh, not just without C.J. Frederick, but even when he is in the lineup, they have been the two uh, best shooters in terms of percentage. But you've kind of seen Jacob Toppin. I think he's hit two or three over the last three or four games. Uh, he needs to be a little bit more aggressive just because he's great at that off that mid-range jump shot, and you've seen him uh, try and take it, do the pump fake, step one side inside the line, and that's just a very inefficient shot. If he were to just get that open three, um, he needs to take it. I'm not saying he needs to shoot four or five a game, but one or two attempts would be awesome. Uh, that's also something that Chris Livingston's been focused on. Um, obviously, he's been playing the three. He's been starting at the three the last few games. And if you watch him in warm-ups, he doesn't miss a lot. Obviously, he had that atrocious air ball against Georgia. Um, and like I said, he's not at the, the level that Antonio Reeves or C.J. Frederick is on. But you've seen against Kansas, they just completely played off of him. Kentucky can't allow that to happen. He's going to have to keep teams honest and – between Toppin and, and Frederick, hopefully they can hit a couple shots from the outside and just contribute to uh, something that uh, Mississippi State has struggled to guard against. This is going to end up being a really big game for the Wildcats, like we mentioned earlier. Final thoughts, Tristan, on this one and perspective on what this game really does mean for uh, Kentucky's tournament chances. Mississippi State is probably the worst offensive team they're going to play, um, which is good for the Kentucky defense that has struggled a lot this year. Uh, so you, they, they're going to have to score more points than the other team. That's, that's what it comes down to. And I know that sounds pretty basic, but that's true. Um, it, it's a quad one opportunity that Kentucky desperately needs. Um, so whether they're healthy or not, they're going to have to find a way to win, whether that's with uh, Antonio Reeves scoring 25 points a game like he tried to do against Georgia and, and like he succeeded with uh, against Ole Miss, or whether that's uh, Edu Fierro playing 15 minutes a game and allowing Casey Wallace to play more off-ball, which he's more comfortable with. Kentucky doesn't have much time to experiment. They're going to have to figure out something that works, and even if it's not the most efficient thing, they're going to have to make it work. Um, and that's the way I see the, the Mississippi State game on Wednesday. Kentucky traveling down to Starkville. 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on SEC Network is the time of tip. Going to be a massive game, bubble implications all over the place. Really excited to see whether or not the Wildcats are able to take on the challenge. Tristan, really appreciate you hopping on to preview this game with me. Tell everybody where they can find your content, man. Yes, sir. Um, so, I guess uh, you mentioned earlier to, to, start, the, to start the show, I, I am the founder and, and main writer for Kentucky Insider. That's something I started myself back in 2019. Um, I'm also an editor for a Sea of Blue uh, SB Nation. Um, so that's where you can find my content. And once again, I appreciate you having me on. I'd be glad to come on at any time. Absolutely. You can find Tristan's Twitter in the description below. You can also find links to his work over on Kentucky Insider and a Sea of Blue as well. Tristan, again, really appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. That was our conversation with Tristan Ferris of Kentucky Insider and Asiya Blue. Really appreciate him coming on to talk Mississippi State, Kentucky. If you want to check out any of Tristan's work, links in the description to Kentucky Insider and Asiya Blue does great writing over there at both of those websites. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow our show over on Twitter 
at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceStall underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for what hopefully is an episode recapping a victory over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.